Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. It was, and it was towards the end of that, you know. I don't know the exact age of that house, but that's that, you know, definitely in that 60s look of a house. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Mr. Brady being an architect. But this is where I sucked Caroline in, because if you go through and map out the inside of the house, it looks absolutely nothing like the outside of the house. Or the design of the outside could never be the inside. I never, no. I, oh, don't ask me why. I thought that house was where they filmed, not knowing it was complete set. But I was just sucked into the whole theory that house existed. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we talk home improvement, healthy homes, construction design, those different things every single week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline. Hello, everybody. Hi. What's going on today? Ah, not much. We got a fun show ahead. I do want to give out a quick message for everybody out there. If you want to get a hold of us, you can head over to AroundTheHouseOnline.com or just about any social media platform, and you will find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, just about anywhere out there. You can find Caroline and I both at Around the House. So we've got some cool topics today. You've got me interested. I sucked you in, didn't I? You did. <laughs> I'm not going to give it away, but we're going to tell you why this sucked me in. Okay, so the subject today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the challenges of remodeling kind of a mid-century home to a modern home. You know what I mean? And what I mean by mid-century home is... The mid-century period was defined as that mid-30s to, to early 60s, you know, like 33 to 65, actually, is what a lot of the rough dates are when they start to call, to put a stamp on, okay, that's a mid-century home. So, Though these days, that has gone into more of a mid-century to modernist home. You're seeing that get up into, well, like the 1970s, for instance. So if you had a house built between, let's say, 1933 and 1970, you're in this mid-century modern, what we call that, that era. Maybe. You got to keep in mind, not every home built between 1933 and 1965 had that style, but it was a prevalent style between the 50s and 60s. You think about how society was back then. You look at the automobile industry. Mm. You had the, the Rocket 88 motor the Thunderbird was big. The Ford Galaxy had taillights that looked like jet engines. It was the jet age, that whole going to outer space, jet travel. It was all of that really modern, cool stuff post-World War II. Interesting. Instead of flying on a prop plane across the country, now you could fly in a, in a 
big silver jetliner or, you know what I mean? And, and take off and do stuff and people dressed up in suits. And then we get into television, like the Brady bunch, right? And this that- is where Eric sucked me in. <laughs> Eric, this Eric started talking mid-century modern. And the first thing that popped into my head was the Brady bunch home. That was mid-century modern. It was, and it was towards the end of that. I don't know the exact age of that house, but that's that definitely in that 60s look of a house. Mm -hmm. And with Mr. Brady being an architect, but this is where I sucked Caroline in because if you go through and map out the inside of the house, it looks absolutely nothing like the outside of the house. Or the design of the outside could never be the inside. I never, no. I, oh, don't ask me why I thought that that house was where they filmed, not knowing it was complete set, but I was just sucked into the whole theory that that house existed. Yeah. If you look in there and we, I, I found a cool YouTube video that does a modeling of the inside. And at the end, they show what the outside would look at, look like. And instead of it being <laughs> a, a split level house, it had cantilevers and I mean it made absolutely no sense it was the sets of TV land TV magic the best, as they call it the best in TV magic was that each bedroom for the kids so whether it was the boys bedrooms the girls bedrooms or Mr. And Mrs. Brady's bedroom they all overlooked the backyard in the show and it would be physically impossible for the house to be built like that so it was kind of a mind blow and, <laughs> and then the funny part in the back that I, I always thought was funny is they never had grass they always had because it was inside. They never put grass turf. down in there. It was always just early days of AstroTurf. It was made to look like grass, but it was not grass. Now in LA, you'd pay extra for that, right? I mean, that would yeah. be the you, that would be the luxury would be to have not watered lawn back there, but you would have AstroTurf or the or the synthetic turf as they call it back there. So really, you think about back into these homes and and this is why I wanted to bring up the challenges of remodeling this era of home is there some really cool design and architectural elements to it? But in that, because they were sometimes taking materials and pushing them too far, they ended up having new systems that were new, but didn't really stand the test of time. For instance, there were homes out there where they installed in the plaster ceilings. They have that big plaster arched ceiling or the vaulted ceiling with open beams. And they mm -hmm. would put in radiant electric heat in the ceiling, almost like what you'd see in a heated floor. Hmm. But it was put in the plaster up there. Interesting. I've so, never seen that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. I've seen, I've had a house with it. It was, it, it was cool. <laughs> but the problem was, is that at some point that fails. And then what do you do? <laughs> then you have no heating source in that house, in that room. And so many times that was an issue and you could start fires and everything else. And the, and the worst part was it was so inefficient on your heating bill because you're taking radiant heat at the very top and it's heating the hot part up there. So you're not getting that. There's not Drop the convection down, right? heat <laughs> of it. So you're heating the top of the room where the heat's going to stay up there. And so for hot me, it rises. felt good. Uh, you're, you're heating the hot <laughs> part. So it, it didn't make a lot of sense that way, but that's some of the challenges when you get into that. Now, and this is also the era when they started to actually install HVAC ductwork. That was, would mm -hmm. be in the time period. So Absolutely. we started the development of all that heating, air conditioning and ventilation. And I know 
the house that I purchased, which would be 1965, so it's in that era, yeah. did not have air conditioning. The only reason it did um, at some point was because somebody was a mechanical engineer and he decided to design a commercial system in the house. But most people didn't have central air back then. He just put it in because he was innovative. And now the, the other problem you had, though, in this era of home, on the construction side of thing, there are two big issues that I ran into in just the core issues of the house. One, many of these homes were not fastened to their foundations because it wasn't until many areas, the 60s and 70s, California was a little bit before that. But in many places in the country, they didn't start fastening that structure to the foundation until the mid 70s. Code wasn't hmm. pushing for that. And so the weight of the home held it down to the foundation. You can Scary. fix that, but that's how that's how all those homes across the U.S. were built up to that time. And then the other structural issues that I saw as well, and I'm not talking about structural as in structural engineering, but one of the basic foundations of this house is many of these were built with galvanized pipe. Mm. And galvanized pipe ended up having, at this time of its life right now in, in 2022, galvanized pipe that was put in in 1965 towards the end, it is well past its lifespan. If it's even still going, right? Most people probably well, replaced it with copper. Yes and no. But the problem that you run into is that a lot of people have, have gotten away with it because when galvanized pipe fails, it fails to the inside. So it gets smaller and smaller. And then at some point you've got something less than a, than a, than a soda straw of water mm -hmm. coming through what should be a half inch pipe. And that's when you turn on the bathtub and you get the rusty water coming out or you turn on the bathtub and you barely get any water out or you don't have enough to do a shower. That's when you're, that's when you're looking at a repipe for your house. Hmm. And that's where it gets crazy. When we come back here, I want to talk about really some of the bigger issues that you should be watching out for when you dive into these projects, just because I love these homes. Caroline, I know you love these homes, but let's talk about what you got to be careful with just as soon as around the house returns. Welcome back to the Around the House show. Carolyn and I are sitting here talking about, well, the challenges of remodeling a more mid-century styled home. And this is this one here is where I want to start talking about something that's that's big in your wheelhouse, Caroline. I thought we'd start right out about talking about some of the, the heavy-duty materials that were put into this era of home that ended up being a problem, like lead paint and asbestos in many different places. And this again is if you are just tuning in a house, if you have a house that was built, let's say from the 1930s to the 1970s, you fall into this mid-century modern, correct? Age, yes. Style, absolutely not. You could build, mm -hmm. there are plenty of traditional homes built that were colonial to just a, a regular war Victorian. box. Victorian, all those other styles. But even any of this mid-century era of home, let's not even talk the style. These materials were used in this era of home because it's the style that was hot. It was the cool, neat thing to be doing. So even mm -hmm. if you weren't following the latest, greatest style, you still had many of these same materials in this age of house. So asbestos... You know, Lead. Yep. You could be over insulated, right? Or under insulated, depending Most on. Most likely under. These homes breathed really well because they still didn't understand 
Well, they were using tar paper as, as vapor and moisture barrier back then. So they still, they, they weren't doing all the caulking of windows and a lot of that stuff still wasn't happening at this point of the game. You know what happened in my house, which was 1965, they over insulated in the sense of they insulated into the soffits, which were supposed to be breathing. So when they yeah. wrapped this house, they did the insulation, I guess, overextended it to the point that it was almost like they wrapped the house back then. Do you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So instead of having it be separated in any capacity, they just kind of did a house wrap, which was sort of in a, that what they were looking at energy efficiency back there. The windows were smaller. And during that time period, they went to much smaller window. You usually saw about 25% windows in earlier. If you're looking at a Victorian or you're going back into a 1920s, 1940s, even 1950s. Mm -hmm. But as you got into the sixties and seventies period, the windows shrank to much smaller energy. Not efficient with mid-century style homes. Mid-century style really? homes, they went exactly the opposite. So 1950s, if you start looking at mid-century modern homes, that's when they went into big glass walls. They had interior, um, maybe a, almost like a little interior garden that was open up through the through the roof of the house because you had the low angle roofs. Maybe they were, it was absolutely crazy how you did. There would be in many mid-century homes back in that style, in that modernist style, you would see the whole complete use of glass. And it was absolutely amazing how they would do it. And that's one of the things I love about it. But the problem was, is that you had, single pane glass. And, uh, and that's where you run into some of these things. If you would jump into any of these new home constructions, great example, I'm going to show you some of these mid-century homes here, Carolyn, that I'm talking about. Your, your whole glass changed where you would see the back wall into the backyard be floor to ceiling glass, or you would see entryways where you walked up that had big floor to ceiling glass panels. It was really hot back then. So that's sort of like the that that Brady Bunch look where it had a lot of the stone with the big overhang and then it had a lot mm -hmm. of the windows. But then they when did they start transitioning? So in, in the 60s and 70s, even though this was 60s and 70s modern, they also had the 60s and 70s that were sort of built what like more of a what I would call a um a traditional stock home, yeah. right? Yeah, you had just like the 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 split levels, the tri-levels, the, the, the California splits. splits, and those kind of things where you'd walk in the front door and you'd either go down to the down to the basement to the right and you'd come in in the middle of that split. So you, then you would go upstairs to the kitchen and the living room mm -hmm. where it was uh, you were entering in at that mid level. And those were much more traditional houses where you had just decent window sizes. There were usually sliders. You'd have a big picture window over the staircase. You'd have a double door entry with the big window over the top of that. That was maybe a, a six in by the north, four or six by five window. I think in the north, when I'm talking about the northeast from what like we've seen here, I think they went to that more energy efficient model because they had to, right? Because they had to conserve with heat and made sure that people, the, the houses that we're looking at. So if you, if you saw pictures of what we're looking at. Traditionally, they didn't build them here in the Northeast because of weather conditions. Like I could see these being built in California and like on the West mm -hmm. Coast more because you have more amenable conditions to not having heat as much. But you have them yeah, in, but, up by you too. 
Oh, they're huge up here. And the, the thing is that's interesting, too, is that the West Coast has always had a, a little more of a modern twist in the style out here anyway, especially in the Northwest. And in California, look at Palm Springs is how Palm Springs mm -hmm. is just absolutely beautiful, but it's filled with mid-century homes. You're looking at those styles and what they've got going there. Some of the great things that I think came out of that is like the terrazzo floors where they would mix up that concrete mixture and then they would have stones that looked beautiful in it. Then they would polish and grind that floor. So it was a concrete-esque floor that you'd see many times in commercial buildings. Like you'd see it in a, in a bank or a hotel or a casino. And it's that when you see that polished concrete floor and it has the, the silver or gold little metal bars in it and they've polished mm. them and they look so gorgeous, you started seeing that in these homes, which was absolutely beautiful. Oh, and you know what I loved in these homes? What's that? That interior. I love the sunken living rooms. That was always my thing. A sunken oh, yeah. living room was what, what you would associate with that time period with a fireplace. You could look up and see it from the, a couple steps down. It's absolutely stunning of how it was kind of the entertaining house, right? And that's what it was good. But the thing that you run into, though, is you would run into, you think of the 1960s, and I've got them. I'd have to pull them out of my library but I have magazine articles that are like, now with more added asbestos, this new marmo not marmolium, but this new Armstrong floor with added asbestos for durability. The nine. You know, my mom was a was a teacher in second grade, and she remembers part of their curriculum was taking asbestos and mixing water with it, and they would fire it up in the kilns in second and third grade where the kids were making projects out of it and they would take it home and build they would build a cigarette tray or something for their parents i remember <laughs> doing that going oh we were making it, it's crazy the stuff that you would do back then and get away with it but it's funny that's just how it worked back then and that asbestos was used as pipe wrap it was used in the um the flooring, siding on the asbestos, outside of the home yep. the flooring they used it in the drywall mud or the tape or the texture. Mm -hmm. So it was everywhere. Um, it made for a super durable product. Lasted for decades. The problem was, is, well, then you got to clean caused, it up. And, and, and it became carcinogenic and caused mesotheliothoma and all those that worked in the around it, or if you would breathe it in, it would get launched into your lungs and sort of just stay there. Absolutely. Now, when we come back here, I want to talk about the remodeling part of this. And we'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Hey guys, you're listening to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. I'm Zeke Sky, and I'm going to show you how to shred it out while you're building it up. Welcome back to the Around the House show. Caroline and I have been sitting here talking today about kind of those challenges of remodeling a mid-century home. We wanted to kind of get into the history of these homes and talk about how they're different in the country as well, right, Caroline? I mean, we were just sitting here going through, looking at pictures of the Northeast versus the Northwest versus Florida versus SoCal and Palm Springs. And there's definitely some different looks of those homes in those areas. Yeah. And what I think we found so interesting is that climate and played so much into what you could have or you 
you know, what you could or couldn't have. So out in the West, the weather permitted, and also you had beautiful views and you had reasons, I'm sure, why people wanted to use all that glass and big overhangs and, and just that structure. Where in the Northeast, we had to conserve during that time period, people became real energy conscious, right? We had the whole gas crisis and all of that thing that fell into that time period. So we had to be more conscious. We had smaller windows. And then in Florida, it seemed like travel was a big thing. People used those as secondary homes or they weren't places where people mm -hmm. settled all year. They were snowbirds. So they had more economized living. And some of the things you would see too in the mid-century home before we get into kind of remodeling here is you would see big overhangs in the backyard for where the entertainment area would be. But out in the mm. front, many, you would have very small overhangs. It was flashed. Where yeah. it was yeah. very flashed, six inch, 10 inch overhangs, really tight. Uh, where you just didn't have much with it, maybe a foot, maybe 18 inches, but not really Frank Lloyd Wright-ish where you'd have three feet, if you know what I mean. And mm. so that's kind of what interesting. And then when you get into, you know, the style, this is where I think if you're going to go buy one of these homes and you're going to remodel it, and you're going to hire a contractor with it. I think you should find somebody that is specialized in working in mid-century modern homes. So they know the materials in the construction. I would rather see you find somebody that is very familiar with that style and loves it to do your remodel. That way they know what the problems typically are and they know how to deal with those issues. So you get the perfect project. It's so amazing. Like we're looking at the different use of windows and, and, and think about if you're remodeling and you have, single pane glass windows versus all the other options you have now from the Argon, you could have low E, you could have three stage, you could have, I mean, it goes on and on. And so how would you replace that? And what would be the best choice for that? You'd almost need someone who really specializes in that type of glass open area, an architect. You do. You, you need to have an architect or a designer working with you that can do that. You know, of course, in, in many areas, you want to get out of that single pane window and put something a little more efficient in so you can you can save some money on those heating and cooling bills. And nowadays, though, there's so many things you can do to that house, like putting in UV coatings on the glass so that you don't have the mm. walnut furniture changing color and going blonde on you and baking out in the sun and hurting those fabrics and things like that. So there's a lot of different options where you can put in window systems that look beautiful, but it'll be so much more efficient. And it starts to pay itself off pretty good. Some of the issues you run into here in the Northwest, for instance, where we're at, um, that contractors really have to look for is that dry rot inside window, in and around windows, because there are many home parts of the home that don't have big overhangs and the rain and the water has gotten in around those. And so you go to replace a window and now you're reframing a wall. It's a really common occurrence in some of these more mid-century styled homes here in our area. I just did that on a beach home. It's so interesting that you're bringing this up. I just did an inspection yesterday on a home that's maybe a block to the beach um, in out in Long Island. And the issue was all of the windows had substantial rot. Everything had to be removed because there were no overhangs, no protection at all. And then I guess whoever had installed the siding over under over um, whatever had originally been under there, it could have been asbestos, it could have been wood, who knows what the siding was originally, but 
they did it wrong and everything had rotted out. And that's a huge expense when you have to replace the windows. And then of course, all the siding, everything was moisture filled with moisture. Absolutely. Some of the things that I, and I'll be honest, when I run into a mid-century home and if it has asbestos siding on the outside, I'm going to try to talk you into keeping that. Mm, that's a tough call. It really is. You know why? If it's in good shape, leave it. You will not find a more durable siding on the outside of your house than that 1950s asbestos siding. And <laughs> never rots. Like, it's so true. You never see it rotting out. It's like not It the doesn't. Problem. It's a mineral. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a system made out of a mineral. And I tell you what, if you look at the house fires out there next to the barbecue, where you, you, all of a sudden the barbecue gets a little too hot and you're melting the vinyl siding off the side of the house, you're not going to do that with asbestos siding. I mean, it, it's there's a lot to be said about how dangerous it is something when it's painted on the side of your house. There's nothing dangerous about it as long as it's not chipping and it's in good shape. So to me, it's like, man, put a good coat of paint on it. And if it looks good, embrace it and use it for what it is because it's going to it's going to outlive you on the side of that house. That's interesting. Yeah. The bigger problem, everyone, is when you get it on the inside and you start disturbing it, anything, it's, it's the same with everything, right? If you start disturbing it and it becomes airborne or you're working on your pipes or you're taking up your nine by nine, always remember you've got these funky looking tiles in your house that are sort of a peculiar size and they're from that era of time, chances are they're asbestos and you have to have them removed appropriately and make sure that they're not getting airborne when you're taking all that stuff out and disturbing it. Yeah. Here's what I see. And this is the testing that I've done with asbestos and remodeling over the years, nine by nine tiles, somehow that era, I've got about a 70% chance when I've tested those, that those end up being asbestos containing materials. Yeah. They've all, I mean, now, we've always associated them with asbestos. Like typically they are. And then you find, you know, you test, they also have a different consistency to them, right? They don't, they're not like a linoleum. No, they are, but they are like that kind of, they are that, they're that VCT tile, but you know, that, that VCT tile, here's the problem though, is they sold those same colors in 12 by 12s too. But mm. the problem was that the nine by nines, they only made during a certain period that was in and the, 12 by 12s they made decades before and decades after. Mm. So during that time frame, those nine by nines and 12 by 12s many times were just, Oh, there's the nine inch version. There's the 12 inch version. And they were made on the same line, the same material, same everything. But because the nine by nines were very much in that certain area where nine by names are hot, then those are more likely to be that just because you could, I mean, you could still go down to your, to your flooring store today and get a 12 by 12 where nine by nines are harder to find. Yeah. So that's where you got to be careful. Nine by nines, almost always still, I see the 12 by 12s being, being, there's a lot of them out there that are still asbestos containing materials. And then of course you got that asbestos black mastic that may be holding it down to the ground. Yeah. That's what, that's nasty. So if you guys find all that good stuff, just, you know, people often take up a basement floor. I find they take up carpeting and then they see this tile underneath because a lot of the time people just go over it, right? With the impression that I'm not going to disturb it, which is not a bad concept. But when you start digging around in these older houses and they usually have six, some of these houses can have six, seven floors. Like if you, I've seen houses built in 1910, 1920, and you just keep pulling up floor after floor after floor, chances are you're getting one of these underneath there. I had a girlfriend that had a house years ago that that the kitchen floor had been built up so much that the transition <laughs> strip was an inch and a half 
walking in in this 1950s home. Yeah. I mean, there had been five floors probably put in there. And the problem was, is that it had a tile countertop with the wood edge going around it. And to change the dishwasher, because it was captured in there, because they didn't take the floor underneath <laughs> the oh, dishwasher no. is, you had to halfway disassemble the dishwasher to get it in there and take the wood edge off the countertop just to get the dishwasher in there to replace it. It was very captured. It was one of those things that she wanted me to, wanted me to remodel that kitchen. I went, um, you're not that good of a girlfriend because I'm not touching that thing. Because there's oh, no. six levels of floor in there that's going to have to come out. When we come back here in our last segment, I kind of want to talk about some of the great materials that you can use in today's and do some upgrades that fit these projects that look so good because there's so many products out on the, on the market right now for these homes. And we'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Hi everybody, I'm Ari Kameen from Steven Adler's band and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G and the beautiful Caroline. Welcome back to the Around the House show. Caroline and I have been talking about mid-century homes and of homes of that era. And it doesn't have to be a mid-century modern home, but a lot of these same materials were used in homes of this era. And right when we were going out to break here, Caroline brought up a, a quality comment plywood on the inside and the outside of the home and let's get back to that caroline because you're going to ask me a question i went no 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 we're not doing this during the break we're going to do this on the show so we're talking about houses built like 1930 to nine let's say 1970 and then we were talking about what exterior and then mm -hmm. what they use for exterior and then i started thinking about paneling remember paneling that was throughout the whole like the bait my, i remember as a kid being in everybody's basement we had this paneling and then i started to ask eric like these were breathable surfaces. They seem to, versus what we use now, if we're using drywall or sheetrock, they would breathe. And so you'd think you'd take them down and they'd be moldy, but they actually stood the test of time. And so they were allowing vapor to kind of pass through. And so I asked Eric his opinion. Do you think we should go back to paneling? Here's the first problem. Most of the time in the 50s and 60s, building code in many areas said you had to have drywall back there for fire. So the drywall in the 60s, most of the time was put up and then you had paneling on top of it where it was glued and then finish nailed with those matching finish nails that went through that up into the 70s. The problem with paneling that we see in these older homes is when you have a fire. Mm -hmm. Sheetrock has that natural ability to slow fire down Flame to get you out of a house. But exactly. when you're in a wood box, <laughs> you're going up, you're going up. It's, it's not a good thing. Do I love the mid-century homes with paneling on the walls and the ceiling and, and where it's a lighter tone, not the super dark, but the lighter tones where it's got cool figure in the plywood and it's got a little bit of orangey color to it. Cause it's aged. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous to me. Love it. Is there an inherent fire risk? If you have a fire gum out of control in there, Yes, I would much rather have a sheet rocked room than I would be a paneling room because that paneling is going to light up. 
much easier. And back and back then when we deconstructed the house and took all that paneling off, I remember there was nothing behind it. I mean, it was just your concrete and it split. It was subgrade and there were no no drywall. Uh, there was no drywall or sheetrock behind it. It was scary because you're right. If it ignites, depending, you know, it's yeah, it's it's depending on the house. Many times, yeah. if your code didn't require it, then they'd put it right over the studs. But mm-hmm. that drywall actually added some add some texture to that because it would support the back of the of the paneling, so you wouldn't have a little bit of the wavy, wavy. in the wall. <laughs> the wavy, yeah, from it going on the studs and. And it's depending many times that, you know, in the 70s, people went in and added that paneling as well, where maybe it was drywall just due to budget, and they came in and put that over the top of it mm. again. Or they finished the you basement. Know, they finished it, Yeah, before it, right? they finished they just, the basement or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I, I remember as a kid putting up paneling with my dad in the basement, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it was drywalled first. So, you know, and, and so it's one of those things you got to be a little careful with. Would I restore a home with that? Every single day of the week, I sure would. What if I had the right contractor? No question. I mean, my house here, as I do an addition in the next two years, I'm going to be working with David on drawing up the plans and everything for it. But as we do that addition, I'm not going to build. I'm going to have a contractor buddy do it for me. A lot of it just due to time. I'm adding more mid-century esque styles. Nice. That are going to be kind of before. That 1977 house. There's going to be some some 60s-esque and even 50s-esque things that are going to go put into this to make this a little bit of a different retro house. But it it's my house. I don't have any plan of selling it anytime soon. It's not a flip. I'm going to put the cool stuff in it that I want. And um, it's already a contemporary-style house, so why not, right? Go with a paneled man cave. I think we should bring paneling back around the house. We'll bring paneling back. I like it. I like it. There's a lot of cool paneling out there. It's funny. I've had so many people give me grief over a man cave. <laughs> Was there a woman cave? It's like, oh, here we go again. But <laughs> I call it the den. That's the what den. I call it. I'm going to go old school and go, it's the den. We did. We Maybe had not dens. the man cave. Yeah, it Another was the den. It was, yeah. Modern, mid-century modern term, den. We don't hear that anymore. Paneling den. Yeah. Yeah, that was the room. The Brady Bunch had the den. It was the upstairs. That was the great room upstairs. It was not down in the more formal living room. I loved that TV room that was the den Mm. because you had the formal living room the many times Mm -hmm. in the 70s. That was maybe the first living room out front of the house. People would come in, come down. That was the furniture that many moms told their kids not to sit on. Play in that room. Don't (laughs) sit on that couch. If I catch you sitting on the couch, I'm going to bust your hand. That's how that went. And no, I mean, I knew if I went playing up there, sitting on the, if, if I walked into as a kid, if my mom walked into the front living room by our front door and she saw me sitting on the couch, she's like, are you waiting for somebody to come to the door? What are you doing here? <laughs> that was not a room for me to go hang out in. <laughs> Stay out of that. Room. But we also had the television too. That was mm. in the more family room slash den. Lots so of good I, concepts. Know, I, that's, yeah, I think we should go back to that. And I think that's one of the styles. You know, when you come into st- materials out there, it is so easy to find the brushed gold mid-century-esque materials right now. There's a ton out there. I mean, I want to find that mid-century mailbox. I, I found a, a couple of them that I'm going to do for my house that I just thought, that's cool. I'm going to do that. What's a and mid-century so mailbox? Cool st- you don't know what a mid-century mailbox is. Oh, no. my gosh. Let me... um. Let me pull it up here and I'm going to talk to you about it because 
These are little details that I absolutely love, and I'll talk about it here. If you go into something, here's a mid-century mailbox right here. They're the angled square metal, so it's not your typical round-top mailbox, right? So you've got uh-huh. kind of an offset diamond pattern in the front, so it's kind of got this right angles, and it's kind of chevron-esque on the front and the side, and they're multicolored. Yeah, that's kind of cool. They look Look at that. Really cool. You could have some fun with these. And so they've got that kind of bend like in it. the door. So the, they're they're just mm. different angles. I'm showing a rejuvenation one right here. It's really cool. It's $355 for a stinking mailbox, but it does look cool. <laughs> but you're retro. But it's the style I'm looking for. Then you have the angled post that comes down. And so that's aluminum. some of those detailed. It's aluminum. It's solid. If you're in a neighborhood where you got kids and baseball bats, of course, this is not a mailbox you want to use. I got a funny mailbox story for you. Even the flag, even the flag that comes up, I call it the flag, it's but it's that angle. it's got an angled triangle mm-hmm. flag. That's yeah. Very cool. So I worked for a winery years ago uh, on weekends and I was working for wine. It worked out pretty good. So there was <laughs> kids that would come by. We had this big, the bigger industrial mailboxes, like a business mailbox with the full down door arch top, the big, the big ones, like four times in like two months, kids went by with the aluminum baseball bat and bashed it and knocked it down. (laughs) So my buddy Greg and I went, we're going to fix that. And the owner of the winery goes, can you guys come up with something that's not going to get bashed? You got it, boss. (laughs) So we got out and got some uh, well casing that was like 12 inches round. And we put the big mailbox yeah. inside of it. I think it was actually 15 inches around because we fit the mailbox inside of it and bolted it down and then <laughs> did an I-beam down to the ground into concrete. And we did some some bolts. So in case somebody hit it, it wasn't going to be like they hit a wall. You know, if somebody ran into it, lost control. We put some shear bolts on it so they would do that. We spent all this time, built this beautiful, like, bomb-proof mailbox. Looked like something the SWAT team would have to blow bombs off on the inside of this thing. <laughs> We built it. It was awesome. Not two weeks later, we get pictures on our cell phones of window glass and a bent bat that was in the road. So the kids went by, (laughs) swung the bat out at the mailbox, and we have a feeling we probably broke somebody's arm because when it hit that, it bent the bat at a 45-degree angle and shot it back and broke out the back window of the car and dropped it there when they hit (laughs) it. God. Oh my God. Can you imagine oh, that poor kid? What a broken bad day. Wrists. Well, Last time we'll do that to a mailbox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's why I don't bash mailboxes. It was pretty funny. <laughs> but get back to wrap up a nice little bow around this before we head out. It's a big style, but there's so many things to take into account. If you're going to hire a contractor, find one that specializes in it because they're out there in every one of those markets. Hmm. How, I mean, how do you go about finding someone that's a mid-century contract, someone who focuses on that? How do you research that to find somebody? Uh, you have architects that you work with or designers. You can go on uh, home tours. Uh, look up in your area if you're in a metropolitan area. Who does mid-century modern? Look at look at ones that are for sale. Find out who the remodeler was. Carolina, hear that music in the background. You know what time it is? It's time to wrap it up. It's time to go. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around Around the the House. House. 
Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.